Pride is the original sin. Remember Lucifer? Lucifer was the beautiful angel of heaven who defied the Creator and fell from grace as described in Ezekiel 28 and verse 17, which reads, Your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. The prophet Isaiah addresses Lucifer by saying, How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. You said in your heart, I will make myself like the Most High, but you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. Proverbs 16 and verse 18 describes the fate of Lucifer who became the devil, the serpent of old. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Hello, I'm Brian Davis, and this is Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Well, Satan was kicked out of heaven because of his pride, and he has been appealing to our own sense of pride ever since. This is the first of the seven deadly sins, and the deadliest, because it sets the stage for all the deadly sins that follow. Because it sets the stage for all the deadly sins that follow. How can we overcome pride once and for all? Answers come your way next in Ron's teaching series, Undefeated, Overcoming the Deadly Sins That Drag You Down. Stay right here or pay us a visit at somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to any of Ron's messages on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Subscribe to the podcast at Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's Ron with today's Something Good message, Defeating Pride. Well, victory is always sweeter than defeat. We know that, don't we? Uh, that's true in life. It is also true in sports. Um, as many of you know, my kids grew up as, as athletes. And I remember way back when our daughter Caroline was very young, we, we uh, registered for her for a basketball league. And um, I, I remember it was one of those leagues that said, um, there are no winners and losers. In fact, um, everybody's going to get a trophy, and, and we don't keep score. <laughs> and I remember when I heard that, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. We don't keep score in this league? But okay, you know, she was just getting started in basketball, and the girls were learning the game. But uh, I'm, I'm a rather competitive guy, and so I, I downloaded a scoreboard onto my phone, and I just kind of quietly sat there in the stands keeping score and keeping a, a record of how many points my daughter scored. Because see, one of the things that they said was, if your daughter dominates too much on the floor, we're going to take the ball away from her and give it to somebody else. Okay, it, it was a place to start, right? But after the first game, I, I couldn't contain myself. I came up to the, my daughter after the game and I said, you guys blew them out of the water. You know, and I gave her the score and I said, and you scored 52 points. I think everybody else on both teams went to play in the band after that, I mean, which, which is a good thing to do. But my, my kids never could sing, dance, or play an instrument, so we handed them a ball, and they did pretty well with that. But um, I tried to use my inside voice when I shared the score and the points, but uh, I, 
I'm afraid I didn't, and, and the coach kind of scowled at me as well as a few parents. Victory is always sweeter than defeat. There are winners and losers in sports contests, and, and even winners and losers in life. There's competition out there in the world. And in the Christian life, we might even say there are winners and losers. Our enemy, our opponent, is the world, the flesh, and the devil. And our victory is in Jesus Christ. But we're in this series called Undefeated, and we're not talking about, you know, undefeated sports teams or sports legends. We're talking about how to live an undefeated life, one that triumphs over troubles, one that soars above every struggle, one that overcomes and conquers the deadly sins that drag us down. And we can't afford not to live the Christian life with the purpose of winning the victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. In fact, all throughout the New Testament, uh, there, there's no hesitation in talking about who wins the victory? The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 57 says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And last week we began this series by establishing the fact that as believers in Jesus Christ, we are more than conquerors. Not just conquerors who won by one or two points. We are extreme conquerors, extreme victors. It wasn't even a chance. It was no contest between us and the opponent. And uh, throughout this series, we are reaching back to a, uh, a list that emerged back in the sixth century known as the seven deadly sins. Pride, anger, lust, laziness, gluttony, envy, and greed. And our goal is to go undefeated. Our goal is to be seven and zero oh at the end of this series and to be more than conquerors over these sins that do so easily entangle us. We are more than conquerors, as we said last week, over the trials and the troubles of life, but uh, we are also more than conquerors in Jesus Christ over the temptations of life that come about through these, these seven deadly sins. Today I wanna to talk to you about defeating pride. That's the first on the list. Andrew Murray said, pride must die in you or nothing of heaven will live in you. Let me say that again. Pride must die in you or nothing of heaven will live in you. You know, pride is, um, well, it can be good and it can be bad, right? Let's just talk about it that way first. Before we talk about defeating pride, we need to define it. We need to diagnose it a little bit. And there, there's some pride that is good. Uh, when you're proud of your kids, you know, that's, that's not a bad thing for parents to be proud of their kids. Uh, school pride is a good thing, uh, even in sports. You know, you're, you're proud to be an eagle or you're proud to be a this or, or that. And it, it, it encourages a little bit of friendly competition. I love one of my favorite songs, patriotic songs, is I'm proud to be an American. Uh, let, let's not go so far as to say that's a bad thing. Unless, of course, we, we cross over into this dictionary definition of pride, which says pride is a high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority. There is a kind of pride where you elevate yourself above others, and you think of yourself in a superior way to other people. 
Now, your, pri- your pride for your kids or your school or uh, for your country leads you in that direction, then, well, that, that's maybe a bad kind of pride. But there can be a good kind of pride uh, in, in the ways that I mentioned there. But the kind of pride where we begin to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, it's high, it's inordinate, an opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority that elevates yourself above somebody else, that's the kind of pride we need to defeat. When racism rears its ugly head in every generation, as it is in our country right now through the riots and all that is in the news, at the root of it is the kind of pride that says, I'm of more importance than you because of the color of my skin or my ethnicity. That is an egregious, ungodly form of pride we must defeat. And at the end of the day, the only real way to defeat that kind of racist pride is through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Maybe this is why the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, for by the grace of God given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. And that's our, our goal in this message today, to defeat pride and to think soberly about ourselves and not too highly of ourselves. Now, there are many bad examples of pride and deadly examples of pride in the Bible. Let's talk about a few, starting with um, Lucifer. (laughs) Uh, One of the many names of our arch enemy, the devil, or Satan, he was originally Lucifer, a beautiful, uh, high-ranking angel in heaven, a created being, I would say let's go back to the early chapters of Genesis to learn, but really we have to go into the scriptures where we find glimpses of what took place before the foundations of the world. Uh, Most Bible scholars and teachers will land in Ezekiel chapter 28 and Isaiah chapter 14 for a little bit of background on Lucifer and how he became the devil and Satan himself. Ezekiel 28 and verse 17 says, your heart was proud because of your beauty. You you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, now listen to this, I will ascend to heaven, Above the stars of God, I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol to the far reaches of the pit. And again, most Bible scholars see this as a description of something that happened before the foundations of the world where Lucifer, this beautiful and high-ranking archangel, we might say, began to think of himself more highly than he ought to think and began to say, you know, I, I ought to be ascending higher than the most high. Pride got the best of him. And he was cast out of heaven. Elsewhere, the Bible tells us that he took one third of the angelic host with him. And today, again, our our enemy is the world, the flesh, the devil, and his demonic forces uh, that are working against us. 
Don't go away. We're only about halfway through today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Today's teaching is part of Ron's series, Undefeated, Overcoming the Deadly Sins That Drag You Down. Look for it online at somethinggoodradio.org. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. All scripture is profitable for teaching and reproof. But let's face it. God gave us a lot of scripture, 66 books and more than 600,000 words, and it can sometimes be a little overwhelming to read. That's why I wrote my new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, to help you navigate your way through the highways and byways of God's word and see how it all fits together so brilliantly, how every path, every passage, and every page points to Jesus, who is the Christ. The book comes in two volumes. Volume one covers the 39 books of the Old Testament, while volume two takes you through each of the 27 New Testament books. Both are now available to order, and I'd love to send them to you today. Here's Brian with details. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, volume one and two can be yours today by request for your gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of something good. When you order the print versions, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The online library includes electronic versions of the book, plus video sermons, audio messages, and downloadable sermon notes on all 66 books of the Bible. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to request the two-volume set and to gain immediate access to the Route 66 Digital Library. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Pastor Ron, there are so many good books published every year. Why should someone buy The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible? And who did you have in mind when you wrote these literary travel guides through the Old and New Testaments? You know, Brian, your questions make me think of the words of wise Solomon in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 12. Of the making of many books, he writes, there is no end. And oh, how true that is. For what it's worth, as a Bible teaching pastor for more than 30 years, The ultimate road trip through the Bible is my way of helping people understand the overall story of Scripture and how all 66 books of the Bible fit together into a unified work of the Holy Spirit. I wrote with all kinds of people in mind, starting with the serious Bible student, even those who teach the Bible. I'm thinking of pastors, Sunday school teachers, and small group Bible study leaders who might use these two volumes in their preparation. But I also wrote for the person who is just getting acquainted with the Bible, which we all know is the best-selling book of all time. Brian, you can read The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible from beginning to end like any other book, or place it in your Bible study toolbox. I know that if you're a lifelong learner of God's Word as I am, you will return to The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible repeatedly. As companions to your personal Bible study, these books will always help you see the big picture before you dive into the details of any book of the Bible. That's why I'll be ordering my own copy, Pastor Rod. We're so glad you decided to share this important book with us. And you can get your copy today by going to somethinggoodradio.org. Both volumes of this great resource are yours as our way of saying thanks when you make a gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of Something Good. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245. 
Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. Pride exalts self. Humility exalts God and elevates others higher than self. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, Defeating Pride. King Nebuchadnezzar is another one in the Bible who uh, (laughs) never defeated pride or went through a really, really hard time before he defeated pride. Babylon, of course, was the superpower of its time. It was was the the nation to be feared, uh, was the Babylonian uh, nation and its army. And one day, the Bible says in Daniel chapter 4 that King Nebuchadnezzar walked out on his balcony and began looking out over uh, the empire of Babylon. And he said these words, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? (laughs) Notice uh, the personal pronouns. I, my, me, mine. If this is the kind of language that often comes from your mouth and you're always talking about what I have done and what, you know, me, I, me, and mine and all of that, then, then maybe there's a pride problem. And this was Nebuchadnezzar's problem. Now, look what I have done. Look at the great empire that I have built. Verse 31, while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. King Nebuchadnezzar fell hard. 1 Peter 5 and verse 6 says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. You try to exalt yourself, God may have to humble you as he did uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. Sometimes nations can become proud. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 16 We have heard the pride of Moab, how proud he is of his arrogance, his pride, and his insolence. In his idle boasting, he is not right. Uh, The God of heaven and earth can bring a nation low. In fact, uh, nobody leads a nation without, uh, without God's approval in one way or another. And then, of course, uh, Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells a story about uh, a proud Pharisee and a humble tax collector. And um, it, it was just a shot right between the heart of the Pharisees who, who lifted themselves up in pride, religious pride. It's some of the most egregious kind of pride uh, that came from the Pharisees and can come from us today. Proverbs is big on pride. I mean, the book of Proverbs is flooded with references to pride. Proverbs 16, verse 18 and 19, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. Or Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 16 and 17, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. This was probably the original seven deadly sins, and the first on the list is haughty eyes, another way of describing uh, that bad kind of pride we're talking about. 1 John 2 and verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And then finally, James 4 and verse 6, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You don't want to be, and I don't want to be on the opposing side of God. You want to be on on the side of victory. 
And that brings us to uh, the question of how, how do we defeat pride? Um, you may be here and you say, yeah, pastor, this first one on the list, if I'm being honest, this is a tough one for me because pride rears its ugly head in my life. Or you may be saying, I don't have much of a problem with it. Here's what I encourage you to do, all of us to do. Invite the Holy Spirit to bring his searchlight into your heart, into those dark places, and look for any remnant, any smidgen of arrogant pride that rises up against God Almighty, that compares yourself to somebody else in a way that makes you feel more superior to them. We want to defeat that kind of pride. How do you do that? Here are three or four ways. Number one, clothe yourself with humility. Remember last week we talked about how corresponding to these vicious vices, these deadly sins, were the heavenly virtues. And the obvious one that corresponds to uh, pride is, is humility. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I love the list of virtues that are listed there, all right? And again, these, these heavenly virtues, we might even call them fruits of the Spirit as they're listed in another way in Galatians chapter 5, need to become increasingly more characteristic of us. We need the Holy Spirit's help in this, but we have a part to play as well. Uh, this, this is not a suggestion but a command. Clothe yourself, clothe yourself in humility. I know before you went to church today or got up and, you know, joined us via live stream, you made a decision. You made a fashion decision today, as I did. You walked into your closet and you decided how to clothe yourself for the day. When you get up on Monday and you go to work, you make a decision. Uh, some, some, it takes longer to make that decision than others. Uh, ladies, you do a better job of it than us guys do about deciding how to clothe ourselves as we get ready to go out into the world. Well, as you're reaching for that jacket or that dress or whatever it might be, likewise, think of, think of you having a closet full of uh, heavenly virtues and reach for that, that hanger that's marked humility. And just pray for a moment and ask God, God, as I clothe myself this morning with, with my physical clothes, will you also clothe me? Help me to put on humility. Help me to defeat any, any smidgen of pride that might rise up in a way that makes me want to compare myself to somebody else and elevate uh, my, my thinking of myself and to think of myself as superior to somebody else. Help me to do that. Uh, Paul says, clothe yourself with humility. And he wants us to do this, notice we're carefully in this verse, out of an understanding of our identity in Christ. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people. Now, there's a lot behind that word chosen that I don't have time to dive into today. But the idea that you and I might be chosen by God should humble every one of us. Do you have a broken and contrite heart today? Learn to embrace that brokenness because that's the very thing that will draw God towards you. You're listening to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's message, Defeating Pride, is part of Ron's series, 
undefeated, overcoming the deadly sins that drag you down. Look for it under the resource tab at somethinggoodradio.org. And I call John really the second greatest man in the world because Jesus is first, right? The God-man Jesus. But Jesus says, of men born of women, nobody greater than John. John, John shows us how to descend into greatness. He must increase, but I must decrease. Which John was Jesus talking about? This man who descended into greatness? Find out next time in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Defeating Pride. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.